very large trust. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Today, Chris is vacationing. So who do we got? Correspondent K-Fish. Welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Yeah, we're excited. The Ravens are 14-2, and two, baby. Divisional champs, AFC, number one seed, and they beat Pittsburgh twice. That sounds like a good season. I thought you were going to start listing off all the accomplishments, so I was getting ready to sit here for another <laughs> well, five minutes. we should minutes. do that. We should. To start with, they broke the record from 1978, right? Yep. For most rushing yards in a season by a team. That was a big one. And it's also certainly a great year whenever you beat New England, along with Seattle, Houston, San Francisco. A lot of wins that you know we thought going into the year the Ravens were probably going to split, but getting collective wins in those games is the difference between the Ravens having to play this weekend or not. Yeah, they were also the first team ever, I believe, to average 200 yards on the ground and in the air a game, which is kind of preposterous when you think about it. I can't believe they ran for 200 yards in 2019. That's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge compliment to Greg Roman and the, and the coaching staff and the O-line. Yeah, there was really no step down this game with a lot of backups playing, and I think that's worth talking about. The Ravens were able to run for an outstanding amount of yardage. They ran 43 times and for 223, 5.1 yards per carry. And that yards per carry would be even higher if you take out Anthony Levine Sr.'s one two-yard rush and Deontay Thompson, Thomas and Trace McSwirley's one-yard rush, as well as Willie Sneed and Chris Moore's zero-yard rush. So <laughs> right. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and RG3, they were each running quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the most interesting things from the game is if you look at it, a wide variety of people ran the ball including DeAnthony Thomas which I thought was like whoa out of left field right at the beginning of the game yeah I think they were just like eh, well we'll run a little bit of everything it's fine I think the highlight of it all though was Gus Edwards 21 carries for 130 yards with a long carry of 38 yards just gashing the defense unfortunately he fumbled again and I was like oh man is this gonna be a thing now but it was a very well-executed play by T.J. Watt, who I became less and less of a fan of as the game progressed. Yeah, T.J. Watt did not do himself any favors in trying to make this a friendly game between Ravens and Steelers. But, you know, the Steelers have had a lot of turnover. There really isn't that guy on that roster that you're just like, hate as a Ravens fan. So, you know, Watt saw an opportunity and he took it. Although the rushing game was very dominant in this 28-10 to 10 victory for the Ravens, the passing game left a lot to be desired. Only 11 completions on 21 attempts for 96 yards and an interception at the very, very end of the game. Kind of soured everything, right, guys? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say soured everything. I think just the fact that the Ravens won this game was like was enough for me, at least, especially considering we didn't even know if the Ravens were going to try in this game. And yet here's John Harbaugh calling for the fake punt on our own 10 yard right. line. <laughs> you know, it was really it was good to see, though. I mean, because you never know what players are going to be called upon in the playoffs. It's a new season. It's not like, you know, any other professional sport where you get a series. It just comes down to one game, one play. And we've seen it before in the past where, you know, players like 
Anthony Mitchell and Brandon Stokely came up in the 2000 year, and then 2012, Jacoby Jones really hadn't done much of anything for his career with the Ravens in the 2012 season until the playoffs, and he became a big play guy. So, I mean, you don't know if if some of these guys who have been quiet contributors or have taken a back seat in some of these games this year, we might need to rely on as, as an X factor in this, what we expect to be a deep playoff run coming up here. Yeah, I mean, for as far as the passing game goes, I mean, I guess that was what I expected from Robert Griffin in, in, a, in the rainy conditions. He wasn't going to do anything crazy. They weren't going to draw up any deep shots, really. Unless uh, Boykin has to be the defender. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he managed the game. You make a good point about the conditions. It became progressively worse as the game continued. The guys were slipping on the field, and it really started to pour. There's a great video of real fan Dan just going berserk, getting the stadium at maybe a third capacity at that point, absolutely erupting. It was funny. Earlier in the game, Pecco was calling for the crowd to light it up, and it didn't get too loud. And the Steelers were able to convert a first down attempt. And actually, Snell got a lot of yards on that play. But I think it got it louder as the game progressed, particularly as the, when the defense just went absolutely nuclear. Well, I think it's like we were saying. I think the fans who were there were just like us. They bought tickets, but they didn't know what they were going to watch. And it took a bit for the Ravens to get going. The Steelers did score first in the game. Oh, wait, sorry. The Steelers scored the first touchdown. Ravens got first points, right? Correct. Yeah, as the game wore on, it became progressively clearer that the Ravens players who were playing, like, there was some pride on the line there. You know, like you said, sweeping Pittsburgh, even though that rivalry has been nowhere near to its standard this year, that still meant something to go 5-1 and one in the division this year. And just to to not take the, the foot off the gas pedal, I think I saw after someone tweet out, it might have been Jamison Hensley, that... Harbaugh didn't get the Gatorade bath after the game. I forget who was one of the players who were... Yeah, Peters stopped it. Right, yeah. I don't know who was who was the players who grabbed the Gatorade, though, but I do know Peters Peters stopped them. He was like, this we this isn't this isn't what we're celebrating here. This is just one game. We got more to go. And you, you love the mindset that this team has continued to have week in and week out. Oh, I think it was... Um, I think they said it was uh, Jimmy, actually, Smith, was, uh, was coming over with the Gatorade. Okay, it was Jimmy. I'm surprised it wasn't Lamar. I mean, he was all rested up for that. He, he could have, he could have, you know, it wouldn't be too much of an injury risk to have picked up the Gatorade tub. I wouldn't think. <laughs> they said he had the flu today, so I, I guess there's a possibility he was uh, feeling under the weather yesterday as well. Oh man, I didn't even think of that. I guess is that, and is there an NFL mandate that if you're on the roster and there's, it's safe for you to be on the field, like you don't have a broken leg, you have to. We can't keep these guys inside so they don't get sick. I think they chose to be out there. I gotcha. think it was uh, wanting to support the team and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. There's been times where people have been inactive and not on the field at all. Yeah, I mean they had they had um had video of uh, Mark Ingram on the sideline too. If and if anybody needs to just be chilling out somewhere and getting work done, it would be uh, Mark Ingram and his calf strain. That's very true. So speaking of Mark Ingram, you know, we kind of glossed over the running game, but I just wanted to go back to that because I think it was really encouraging to see that, you know, as we mentioned, the Steelers, despite the fact that their offense has been terrible this year, that's still a 
top quarter of the league defense the Ravens played against last year, or last game, and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill were able to have a huge amount of success rushing the ball without Lamar back there, without Ronnie Stanley or Marshall Yonda, and in that weather. I still think that the Ravens have the best shot with Ingram back there with those guys, but in the event that Ingram, you know, this injury is worse than expected, it was promising to see those guys with that production with him not out there. Yeah, I I just think, you know, while the yardage drop-off wasn't huge, there's just something that Ingram gives you that those two don't. And Gus, they've been trying to split him out wide and, and get him to catch passes, but he's not, he's not the same pass catcher as Ingram. Um, and then... You know, you can't understate how well Ingram pass blocks. And then Justice Hill, just as of right now, he's not a hard runner like Ingram. So, I mean, yeah, the the numbers were impressive, especially, like you said, against a a really good D-line. But I'm still hoping Ingram's feeling good in, in two weeks now. That's exactly what I had in my notes, Kevin. Unfortunately, Gus Edwards just doesn't have that explosion and fluidness in his running game like he kind of just swerves on vectors he doesn't have much in way of moves and uh jukes and cuts and then i think the big thing i saw with justice hill this game he needs to improve his vision he had a few times actually the the run right before gus's big 38 yard run he actually could have popped to the outside with his speed and gone a long way but he kind of just ran straight ahead right into all the defenders and I thought that was an example of just uh, some of his rawness when it comes to vision and being able to see where he can pop it outside. Yeah, he did have that play. And then there was also that play in one of the last drives where he thought that he slid for a first down, but really he was down like three yards short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a play where he needs to learn to, to to barrel through the guys, but... Yeah, I do. I do agree. Engram is definitely the shiftiest, has the best vision of those guys. I do actually think Edwards might be a faster back than Ingram, but Engram is definitely the most polished of those three, as he should be, given that he's you know veteran who's been to the Pro Bowl before. Gus Edwards was one of the guys we were talking about last week that we really wanted to see what he would do in the starting role, and he delivered. But another guy we were excited to see on offense, at least, that was not a big part of the game plan, at least from passing perspective, was Miles Boykin. I mean, I think his highlight was what you already said, Alec, when he pl- had to play DB on RG3's deep ball. Yeah, I was disappointed by that, no doubt. I think the problem was when you only pass 21 times, he's only going to get maybe two or three looks, you know? And an offense this diversified so i was also hoping to see more of jaleel scott he got targeted three times he got one catch right when we were pinned against the goal line that was a nice grab he missed the fade in the end zone but he was well covered so yeah we didn't really get to see too much of that unfortunately but i do think that was a byproduct of the weather yeah i was gonna say the same i would just chuck that up to the weather and just trying to get out of there with a win Another guy we were really looking forward to seeing was Powers. He didn't start the game right away, but he did come in for 43% of the snaps. And I think my biggest takeaway was I didn't notice. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> so I guess he did okay. I'm looking forward to the in-depth analysis that Ken does over at Film Study. Gotta check that podcast out if you haven't checked it out yet. But yeah, I, what did you guys think? Did you see anything in particular? From just watching the game, from what I remember, it seemed to me that from a run-blocking perspective, the unit seemed to be performing as we usually do. Maybe there are a couple more runs for no gain or slight negative yardage than usual. But what was noticeable for me from the offensive line was that pass protection wasn't as good without Yonda and Stanley. But it seemed to me that pressure was coming particularly more from the from outside the tackles than inside. That may have just been on the plays I was paying attention, but it seemed to me like like James Hurst, although he had a very good game against the Jets, struggled a bit in pass protection yesterday. Admittedly, he had a much harder assignment in yesterday's game than he did against the Jets, but still, hopefully Stanley is uh, will be full strength for the rest of the run. I would say I was paying attention when any, whenever an announcer mentioned Power's name, um, and I, I do think it was a positive that he wasn't mentioned too often in, in major uh, mess-ups. I was kind of bummed that they, uh, they played this Parker Ehinger, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I think it's Ehinger. Ehinger. I, th- <laughs> I think he's been uh, what on and off the team f- from time to time and kind of just bouncing around. I don't know what they were hoping to see from him, but I wish Powers would have got more snaps over someone like that. I'm hoping it's not because they're down on Powers and hoping to see what they can get out of him instead. Yeah, that's what Ken was saying on film study. It's like, why are you playing a guy like that? You already know what you have in him. It's nothing. You should be playing Powers to see what he has. I think the only thing we could say is maybe they're worried about Powers' stamina and that he wouldn't last the whole game. I don't know. But, yeah, that was definitely really interesting. Other than that, from the offensive side, I don't know if there was much more I wanted to comment on other than it was interesting to see the diversity of players in there. Hollywood got a couple touches. Chris Moore got a touch. And just some of the unique play calling they did over the course of the game. Willie Sneed was a little bit more involved than normal. Like we were saying last week, kind of held true. They just want to get out of that game, get a win, which they pulled off, and not show off too much of their playbook. The only thing that was actually kind of surprising was the fake punt. But I do think that's one of those things that it's not giving away too much by us doing that. It's kind of typical Ravens aggression. See, I took that as we want to put this on tape so that the playoff teams think about it. And like, you know, where the, uh, one of the, uh, the, the classic examples they always talk about is, uh, the Ed Reed and, and Peyton Manning play where all the, during the season, Ed Reed played it one way, waiting for that, the playoff game to pick off Peyton. So to me, when I saw when I saw that fake punt in a meaningless game, in a spot you would probably never do a fake punt, I just saw it as, we're going to put this on tape, and we're going to hope that they waste some time looking at it. Yeah, I could see that. And it also just doesn't hurt you either because it's happening in a game that's not going to impact your final standings anyway. <laughs> I think while we're talking about it, it's worth talking about the special teams a little bit. Tucker, typical wizard mode, but I thought it was interesting watching DeAnthony Thomas. He took the ball, and he actually lost some yards on that one punt return, 
And I was looking back at the previous Pittsburgh game, and we actually had Snead and Hill involved in the kicking game. And I was like, man, maybe they should be the returners. At this late in the season, I'm a little hesitant to put a guy back there. I feel a lot more comfortable with Snead than Hill, just from an experience perspective. But I was like, man, I'm starting to be on the bandwagon with Chris and Peter. I'm not seeing too much out of that guy. Didn't they want Hill in the beginning of the season to kind of take over that job? And he responded by coughing up the ball twice. I remember that, yeah. So I think he he burned any shot he had for that. And then, yeah, I mean, the one return from Snead looked good, but it was kind of just a, like a broken return. And yeah, I mean, I would agree. DeAnthony Thomas hasn't done anything special, but kind of what you put in the notes, which was... Do we really expect that anymore? If I had to guess, returns have been down across the league without even looking at the numbers. Yeah, I can't really think too often this year that a kick has been returned for a touchdown. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. I know that the Chiefs had a kickoff return for a touchdown yesterday, but that was the first one I remembered seeing in a while. I I think in today's NFL right now, just having a returner who's not going to cough up the ball and knows when to, to fair catch versus let the ball bounce and let physics of it take control of where the ball is going to fall is kind of more valuable than a playmaker, especially at this stage of the season. I don't, I don't think we want to try and make a, a switch in the postseason, considering Thomas certainly hasn't been losing us games. So you want to see the outstanding production from every position across the board, but I would think kick returner is probably the one that's of the probably the least concern. Yeah, I go back to my my go to, which is Ravens fan, fans are spoiled, and you know we want everything to be like a Jacoby Jones return, but that's probably just not realistic. And you know, like you said, this is the the modern NFL kick return game. Don't fumble. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I was impressed to see as many starters with. Peters, newly signed, last person out of the tunnel, got a lot of praise from the fan base, and one of our favorites, Marlon Humphrey, they were out there for a lot of the snaps that game, 98% and 94% for Humphrey and Peters. Yeah, I guess numbers at a glance kind of shock you, but the the truth is they would have to play. (laughs) We're just not very deep at safety, so it's not like Cargut's could uh, slide over and play corner his natural cornerback. The only way to get Peters and Humphrey's numbers down would be to play Marshall, which it looks like they had no intention of doing. Yeah, only three snaps. And Jimmy Smith didn't play at all. I guess to me I was I was thinking they would they would probably sit Jimmy because he's an injury risk <laughs> anytime he goes out there, which sounds kinda harsh. But yeah, I wasn't too 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 surprised by uh some of the snap counts. I think the biggest surprise for me was we didn't see much of Marshall. I thought he'd play a lot more than he did. I think another part of that is even though it's a meaningless game, I mean, these guys still have to earn their snaps, right? So, I mean, Marshall's been hurt for a lot of the year. He's a rookie in the NFL. Might have been they were just running a bunch of packages and plays that he's just not up to speed on yet. So, you could be just needed the vets in there just so they could... (laughs) have enough players on the field who knew the positions to to run a play. The Ravens, we've, we've never been in this position before, right? So I think we all had some ideas on how the team should handle this, but 
we've just never been in the position where we're in the playoffs and our seating is set. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, it's always funny. Cause like if, you know, uh, all those like Peyton Manning teams that were always blowing everybody out and resting guys when it came to the playoff time and they would lose, they'd be like, Oh, it's cause you're rusty. But then if they win, nobody would say anything. I'm sure, you know, if we do lose in the playoffs, that'll be the hot take. Uh, we shouldn't have rested week 16 and hindsight's always uh 2020, but uh, I mean, I'm glad. I think the biggest thing that you can also see from these snap counts is no injuries, even with how much everybody played. That's always what we're looking for in these kind of games. Yeah. There was a bit where, where Matt Judon came off and I think he was like grabbing his, his stomach or chest. I wasn't sure what, but from everything I've seen, he went back in the game and he seems to be fine. Taco Bell hitting hard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Too many yeah, chalupas before the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hurst also had a play earlier in the game where he kind of limped off, but he came back for the extra point attempt. So that was good to see. I, I was really impressed by Carr's performance. They were kind of playing him in the Earl Thomas role, blitzing him occasionally too from the box. He had an impact play there. I think that was one of the best games for Carr all season. Yeah, I think they sent him more more than usual or more than what they do with Earl. It seemed like, you know, every four or five plays, Carr was in the backfield blitzing. Yeah, he had two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, and a sack. That's a that's a busy day for a defensive back in in an offense's backfield. Does that include the the intentional grounding for the safety? Um, I'm not sure. I think so. I don't know how they score that as a sack or a penalty or yeah well i don't think it was the sack because i think he had a sack in the first quarter he did yeah so that was either a qb hit or a tackle for loss oh it was definitely a qb hit because he was (laughs) he rode uh he rode duck like a horse (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the biggest thing you can say about the defense is you know you had three of your definite starters on that team two of which in earl thomas and brandon williams are are two of your top four players on that defense, probably maybe top five, but you didn't see uh, any downgrade in the way the defense played. Granted, it would have been nice to have seen some picks against Hodges, limited them to 10 points with a couple starters sitting is always a good sign. And for the second year in a row, the Steelers are kicked out of the playoffs on week 17. Thanks to the Ravens. Well, I would, argue that they were already eliminated by the the titans uh demolishing of the texans backups but it it did feel good to beat them anyway to to leave no doubt (laughs) i did have one negative about the defense that i saw early but it seemed to get cleaned up but it is concerning moving forward which is we're still having issues setting the edge and containing runs so the touchdown run by Snell, he just kicked out and just kept running uh, wide until he got outside of everybody and then just walked in. And it seemed like a handful of runs went that way on that drive. It definitely got cleaned up a little bit, but it seems to be it was what uh, the 49ers did to run all over us. And it's starting to seem more of a more of a trend than just an anomaly from the 49 49ers game 
You're absolutely right, Kevin. I, I saw as well in that drive that Humphrey ever pursued a play. He had him kind of dead to rights, but then he ended up blowing right past him and not being able to finish the play. I saw that too. I think in a team with a lot of highlights, that might be the one real obvious downside of the defense. Yeah, I definitely I put it in the notes as like some the thing that I was not pleased to see. I mean, Snell is he's a rookie, but he's a fourth round pick and in yesterday's game it was the highest yards per carry that he's had all season if you ignore the first game of the season that he played in where he only had one carry. 91 yards was the second highest total he's had all year. Uh, his highest was 98 against Cincinnati. So that wasn't terribly great to see a guy who's an average running back at best have that type of game. But outside of that, the Steelers really didn't do anything at all. Hodges, a QBR of only 9.7. Deontay Johnson had 54 receiving yards, and then none of the other Steelers players had over 20. I don't think that's... It's not great to see what Snell had, and, and it is definitely a weakness. And you, I mean, you've got teams in the playoffs, you know, Ravens could be all going up against Derrick Henry. Uh, Damian Williams can burn you if the Chiefs have good blocking. So it's it's a concern. But at the same time, I think it is still good to see that this team, while that was not a bright spot, everything else across the board for the defense was spot on. Let's talk about one of those spot on plays. Guys, I was watching the game while in New York City visiting some friends and the Ravens were able to go down to the end of the field, kick in a field goal, and there was about a minute and 20 left. And I said, well, the Steelers are competent enough not to score, but also not to do much on this drive. We can go down and get the pizza now. <laughs> so we walked down to go get pizza. It's raining out there, and I wasn't watching on my phone. And by the time I logged back on in like a minute and a half, because it was like right around the corner, like comically close... <laughs> We're winning 16. We got an extra touchdown. I was like, what the heck happened so quickly? Judon, strip sack, Michael Pierce with the scoop, and then boom, Justice Hill runs it in. <laughs> I rewatched the game to see that part, but man, we can still strike fast even with the second teamers. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, I wouldn't, I, I guess you can give some props to our offense for, for finishing it off, but that was a, a defense heavy uh touchdown they they deserve the credit uh judon kind of cementing why i think he we should bring them back unfortunately it's probably going to be in the same amount of money that zadarius got and uh if you uh for those who haven't been paying to paying uh attention to zadarius smith he's having an awesome season and i think he has like 12 sacks and he had three in his last game uh, or, sorry, the Monday night game against the Vikings. Yeah, Zadarius has been ripping it apart lately. Yeah, somehow he didn't get voted into the Pro Bowl. I voted for him. Yeah, I, I know. I caught that too. But, yeah, his uh, K-Fish has here a note that Zadarius Smith led the NFL this year with 61 QB pressures. Yeah, it's... When I see stats like that, I, Judon's had a great season. Um, I don't want to poo-poo on any of that he's had it you know he's been basically our only pass rush for the most part but uh it is kind of sad when you uh you hear some of the stats that Zadarius Smith is putting down yeah if the Ravens were able to keep all the players that we develop here in house we'd be 
one of the best teams in the NFL every year, I think. That's one of the unfortunate balancing acts of the salary cap. Yeah, I guess the point that bummed me about Zadarius leaving is I don't think they even tried. <laughs> like, I, I don't recall now. Uh, yeah. Because, like, I guess to me, they're going to end up paying Judon the same amount, if not, you know, uh, very close. So I, I think if you asked, you know, Eric DaCosta or, and uh, and Ozzy to some degree if, if they would make the same decision, they would probably say no. Really? I wonder if part of the reason they didn't go after Sidarius may have been because they realized they could only pay one of those two guys. And while maybe Sidarius Smith uh, may have eclipsed Judon with his monster season this year, I think maybe the fact that Judon has had more consistent consistency, consistency earlier in his career over Smith may be why they pick Judon over Smith. Because you look at Zadarius, it took him till his fourth year in the NFL to get over eight sacks, which was his contract year. And then this 13 and a half season was, at the moment, it's an anomaly in his career, but we'll see if he, if that's a sign of things to come or just a flash in the pan. But I think it just would be really tough for them to, to keep both those guys, whatever Judon gets signed for. Yeah, I mean... Zadarius, though, in his first couple of years, he wasn't pl- he wasn't starting, right? So, like, l- last year was his first time where he got, like, a real, real amount of time. So, I, I guess I take it with, you know, his beginning stats with a grain of salt because he wasn't really getting as, as many shots. Hmm. That's fair. But Judon was the one starting over him in 2017. <laughs> 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 Anyways... Do we have more to talk about the defense, or do you want to move on to the playoffs? I think the big thing that I took out of the game was we continued to bend and not break. There was a couple times where we leapt some yards, but damage was contained. Only one touchdown and one field goal. Good play, and a couple plays where it was near interceptions. So I was pretty impressed with the unit overall, and you can't deny, you got to talk about the fact that they had the strip sack for a touchdown. The special teams unit had the awareness to get the sack, or not a sack, but tackle the punter, get the fumble, get a touchdown there, and the safety. I mean, overall, that's usually a game where you're just going crazy about the team. Granted, the conditions and the opponent made it a little bit less of a, I guess, triumph. And actually, one more point, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a problem in the future. He looks like he might be a player to look out for wait a problem for us or for opposing teams just in general yeah us and opposing teams i think gotcha. he might be a good player <laughs> yeah like i was watching him and i was like all right he's got some moves i still think they're in a little bit of a trap without a b there i think juju's not gonna be as good and i don't think deontay johnson's the panacea for that problem that they have i think they need a little bit more explosion and speed they kind of have two good possession receivers right now. They need a quarterback, too. Yeah, I guess to, <laughs> yeah. Me, to me, like, uh, Juju had a bad season. Like, every, every bit he had a bad season. But, like, he was playing with a guy and his nickname is Duck. <laughs> which which came first? Was it the, the wide receiver bad year or the quarterback bad play? Oh, man. Going back to quarterback, it's interesting. If you look back at draft preview articles from last year, a lot of a lot of uh, 
not all analysts, but there I found multiple analysts who had Mason Rudolph ranked right under Lamar Jackson on the draft big board on quarterbacks, like ranking quarterbacks in the draft. People get paid for that. That that <laughs> that bad bad take. Hey, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> of course, I mean, I guess again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but uh, man, they're like weatherman. They can uh, they can be wrong <laughs> most of the time and continue to have their job. Ah, oh, so true. Looking ahead to the playoffs, the Ravens got a buy because the Dolphins showed that the Patriots are just not a good team. The Patriots lost. KC gets a bye. Andy Reid hailing to the Dolphins during the presser. Place went berserk. If you haven't caught the clip yet of the play call from the announcers <laughs> kind of announcing both games in syndication, it was definitely worth a listen. You got the fourth and fifth seed kind of exactly as we suspected. Houston and the Buffalo Bills. And then the sixth seed was, of course, Tennessee riding the wave of Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the rookie A.J. Brown, who I think we can all say was probably the best rookie wide receiver this year. We'll see about years to come, but this year he was clearly the number one. Yeah, I mean, he had a great rookie season and, you know, he landed in a great spot. There was literally no wide receiver talent on that team. Shout out to, <laughs> to, to your favorite wide receiver. Ugh. Peter and I both liked him. We were, we fought over him that one year. <laughs> well, dude, if you think back to that draft, we wanted we wanted Corey Davis. That was the guy we wanted that year to fall to the Ravens. I mean, he didn't fall anywhere close. But you know, we had to settle for Marlon Humphrey. Oh man, what a terrible draft! <laughs> that one worked out. Yep, yep. I can't remember. There was a um, we were looking at. I can't remember. There was a linebacker that year too. Was that Foster? Ruben Foster? Yeah. Ooh, man, we dodged a bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was like, I was like, we need another linebacker. He's from Alabama. Ozzy loves Alabama. This sounds great. And I didn't know anything about Marlon Humphrey, like, outside of he was on Alabama as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, we dodged a bullet. But anyway, so for the playoff teams, we have the possibility of playing either the Texans, Bills, or the Titans. I guess in my mind, I have a clear favorite on who I would rather not want to face and who I would rather face with the uh, Texans being, I think, the the easiest team out of those three and um, and Buffalo being the team that actually scares me the most. Uh, what do you guys think? For me, it's kind of hard to say. My initial thought was, yeah, Texans would be the easiest team to face because from what we saw, we've completely figured them out, and they're still trying to figure out how to even get two yards against us without turning the ball over. But (laughs) at the same time, you're kind of – I mean, Deshaun Watson and that team, they're – they're just they've just been the definition of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this this year. You just never know if that team's gonna gonna look like a legit Super Bowl contender or like a team that's, you know, in the hunt for the first pick of the draft. They're just such a wild card. The Bills so I would still say the Texans are the team that I think would be the easiest matchup. I would actually put the Bills over the Titans for this reason alone. It's just that we haven't faced the Titans yet this year. And 
I still argue, with the exception of the Chiefs, the Titans really don't have a quality win on the year. But Tannehill, I think, is the biggest wild card in this postseason because he sucks. But he's having a, a 2012 Flacco surge right now. He's trying to get paid, and you just don't know what to expect with with how this team continues to outperform how you would expect. So I don't know. And Derrick Henry would be the best running back the Ravens have faced all year. I think that speedy receivers give this team more of a trouble than than big physical receivers like A.J. Brown. I think they match up well with that guy, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think that I do really like what the Bills are doing, but I think the Titans are the scariest of that bunch right now. Yeah, Peter, I tend to agree. Like, for some reason, the Titans and just the way that they've come in as this dark horse, they've got a lot of energy and momentum, skill players that have been intimidating to defenses. They're the ones that I'm most hesitant to play. The Texans always look to me hot or cold, more cold than hot. Winning just because they are a talented team, but like not winning with much confidence most of the time. And we know what happened in Baltimore last time we played them. The Bills do scare me just because they have a good defense. They probably have the best teams to match up against us. Luckily, we'll be playing them at home. Hopefully, win won't be as big of a problem as it was at the Bills game in Buffalo. But yeah, the playoffs is going to have a difficult ride. I think... The crazy part is, if the Titans win, that means we get them, because they're the sixth seed, and I don't know if I want that, because, not only because they're, like, quote-unquote, the scary team, but I kind of rather have the Patriots go against the Chiefs, because if I had to choose, even though I know what happened in the regular season, I feel like the Patriots are more likely to beat the Chiefs than the Titans. What do you guys think? I, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of on the fence about that statement, but that's just my hunch. I feel like... You're you're hoping for a Chiefs loss, and that's showing your lack of confidence in the Ravens, and I don't like that. <laughs> oh, I do want the Chiefs to lose. <laughs> I do want the Chiefs to lose. Ultimate hype man has been called out. <laughs> pause, 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 pause. None of you want to play the Chiefs. Any like they're easily the number one team that we're all afraid of. There's no see, question. Here's, here's the here's the here's the caveat to that. The caveat is if the Ravens don't, uh, assuming the Ravens make it to the AFC Championship, and they're playing any team besides the Chiefs, then you're playing the team that beat the Chiefs. So who's scarier? <laughs> I think that's fine because it's all about matchups. I think that's fine. I'm not too worried about that, that comment. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess, yes, if I'm being honest, the Chiefs are, are the team that most scare me. They're the uh, team we lost to, um, though I would argue we're a completely different team then, but their defense is, is doing much better than uh, when we played them. But I'm not overly scared where i want someone to take them out and i you know i kind of like our last super bowl season uh we went through denver and we went through uh new england and that just that makes the the super bowl that much more sweeter that we're going to win it makes for a good box set i was about to say the same thing that's a great box set. i own it like (laughs) they're really high quality teams really great games so yes if the chiefs do come to baltimore It'll make for a great box set when we beat them because I think Ravens recap nation and the rest of Ravens nation are going to be there being loud. 12th man can't ever discount how loud they can get. I mean, we saw how loud they got at the very end of the game against Pittsburgh when only a third of the crowd was still there. That energy with the, the whole stadium filled, 
It'll be through the roof. All right, so after doing a little bit of a preview of what we're looking for, there's no Ravens game this week and no Chris either, but we're still going to do picks. We're going to pick each of the four games. If we look into our yearly standings here, oh, man, who do we even give the win for last week? I gave the Steelers the least amount of points, but you gave the the Ravens the most amount of points, and we all basically said the same thing. <laughs> Alex said 24-21. I said 22-16. Chris said 20-17. K-Fish, who do you think gets the win? Ooh. I think Peter gets it. Biggest delta. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can get on. Those are... Man, where was the confidence, guys? <laughs> We had confidence. We said they'd win. We just didn't. We just didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I uh, I told uh, Trashman uh, thirty-one seventeen. Apparently, I was too high on the Steelers' offense. <laughs> well, we'll give a summary of our little game here. Unfortunately, Chris came in last place, winning three of the score predictions. I came in second with six, just right behind Alec who had seven games picked closest. So I don't know if we've decided prizes yet, if such a thing exists, but congrats, Alec. You won that. <laughs> he needed a win somewhere after uh, being dominated in all fantasy avenues. <laughs> Whatever, guys. <laughs> Peter, Peter won our DFS contest, and Kfish beat me in our Week 17 uh, Toilet Bowl Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> basically alex saying if he didn't have the ravens he'd have nothing all right let's get to our predictions we'll start off with the buffalo houston game i think that's one of the most interesting games of the whole setup i'm gonna go with buffalo winning the game i think they're the better team of the two even though i could totally see it going either way but buffalo's defense prevails score wise mm, i'm gonna say it's a lower scoring game buffalo wins 24 to 17 Wait, uh, so unfortunately you've already given your take, but uh, is is J.J. Watt playing? Apparently. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's going to have like his whole whole shoulder in a mechanical brace and just he'll just swing his arm like a... Um, like a club? Like a club, yeah. <laughs> I guess to follow up your prediction, uh, my prediction would be also a Buffalo win. I don't actually think this game is going to be even remotely close. Honestly, I I think Buffalo is better across the board. We're going to see like a 28 to 13 Buffalo win. Buffalo has not won a playoff game since, oh gosh, when is the last time Buffalo won? Didn't Tyrod win them a a game? No, he almost did, but Jacksonville came back. Oh, oh yeah. And like a field goal fest. Oh yeah, no, they were hyped that Tyrod got them to the playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> last you? buffalo and that was all thanks to uh to us <laughs> buffalo bills playoff history the buffalo bills have not won a playoff game since they defeated the miami dolphins 37 to 22 on december 30th 1995 <laughs> and they only beat someone in their division yeah apparently that doesn't even count. Well, then, the, according to Kfish, the Buffalo Bills have not won a playoff game since January 23rd, 1994, when they defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 30-13. to But I also agree with you guys. I think they get it. 
I don't know if they scored quite that much. I'll give him a 20 to 20 to 10 win. Moving on, the second game on Saturday is surprisingly AFC. I don't usually I feel like they they split it up like you'll have an AFC and NFC game on each day. Kind of curious why they're doing that. I thought that was the case in um I forget who the tweet was from, but they seem to insinuate that typically they, um, whoever the first seed is playing usually plays on the Sunday and gets a short week like it was an added bonus for being the one seed. Um, Though I guess you can't really plan that out completely. But yeah, odd that both the AFC games are on Saturday. Interesting. Well, I picked last last, uh, one, so I'll go first. I think this is also an interesting game because you got a red hot team of overperformers going to New England, which is a notoriously hard place to play. And even though New England is having a down year and their roster really isn't that good, you still have Belichick there. Fun fact, though, that I found out today the Patriots have never made the Super Bowl from starting the postseason as a wildcard team. So, so that. That stat almost to me seems like an outlier, right? Because most of the time they were a one or a two seed. So, like, how many times were they a wild playing in the wild card game? So glad you asked. Only three, but still, it's a fun thing to laugh <laughs> at the Patriots fans about. So, I think this is going to be actually a really close game. Hmm. This may be more what I want to happen saying than what's actually going to happen, but I'm going to say 23 to 20 Tennessee in overtime. Whoa. Hot take alert. You guys need like a button. You can <laughs> click and just, like a fire alarm goes off. I guess I will follow up. I too would love for the Titans to pull this game out, but I think uh, Cinderella loses her glass slipper here and, and loses to the Patriots. Um, I'm going to say... 23-17, driving, driving, uh, t- Titans will be driving to try to win the game, and uh, Tannehill will be Tannehill and throw a game-ending interception. All right, guys, you both picked 23. Who's scoring 23 points on that squad? Stefan Gilmore, he's going to score once. <laughs> um, Nikhil Harry, he's going to get a lob or a fade touchdown, and uh, and that's what two two uh two touchdowns two touchdowns, and then Folk is gonna make someone look like a genius for picking him up three games left in the season or four games, whatever it was, and knocking a couple chip shots. Twenty three. What do you think, Peter? I mean, they showed a stat in some of the the New England game that I watched yesterday that showed that actually since the game against the Ravens, the Patriots have slowly been getting better week in, from week to week in rushing the football. So that's a good formula for the playoffs. I think you, you could see multiple rushing touchdowns between, you know, that three-headed monster, Michelle, Burkhead, and White. So that also aligned with them getting one of their O-linemen back, right? Off of IR. I forget right. his name. That might be the reason. All solid content, boys. I'm going to say this. Folk gets some action. No one's getting in the end zone for New England. Tennessee rolls 28-6. to 
28 to 6. Oh, hit the hot take alert button again. Oh. <laughs> I had this bell here for you. The whole time we've ever recorded the Ravens recap, there's the first time he got hit. <laughs> six? That's six is that's bold. I didn't know this was the the bold prediction uh segment of the show. <laughs> Well, why don't we move on to the games we care less about, the uh, the NFC side Oh, of the I ball. disagree. I think these are very interesting. Well, I meant from a, <laughs> from a who are the Ravens going to play perspective. They're not playing any of these teams in, uh, until the, uh, Miami. Yep. All right. Minnesota versus New Orleans. Guys, I think this is a slam dunk. New Orleans is my favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. New Orleans wins 35-17. I yeah I'm looking now at the line which is currently at seven and a half and I don't think that's nearly enough I I think this one's a a route as well New Orleans uses this to uh, exercise some of their demons from the uh, yeah jeez Diggs touchdown and uh, I'm actually gonna go one more and go forty two ten Teddy Bridgewater throws a touchdown that's how boring this game gets. The Saints might be the only team in the NFL right now who are as hot as the Ravens. I agree with you guys. 38-13, to 13, New Orleans. Does anybody trust Kirk Cousins in the playoffs? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Especially not without, without Dalvin Cook. Well, I think, I think Cook's going to play. Yeah, he's not healthy. Trust me, I've been watching this guy. He, this guy's the guy uh, that I was watching the most of any NFL player who wasn't in a Ravens uniform all year because I had him in every single fantasy league. He has not looked like himself the the past four weeks that he's played. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I'm hoping two weeks gave him enough time to rest. Yeah, it sounded like a bad injury. Last game of the week, Seattle at Philadelphia. What a joke. (laughs) Right? I kind of hate seating. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of falling into the, the thought process that just a divisional winner doesn't deserve a home game. But then again, my team is ne- never like atrocious when they win the division. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see it both ways. What what division did the East go up against this year? The North, right? That's where the Packers... I know the Eagles played the Packers. That's the And North, they played the right? Vikings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then the division winner of that league division i think should have had at least 11 or 10 wins <laughs> well that's the funnier thing about the eagles right is like they beat the packers packers only have three losses but they also lost to miami so like they've beaten they've beaten decent teams they played the patriots close one could argue that if aguilar had two football catching hands they would have beat the patriots as well but it doesn't work like that <laughs> no so the eagles and the seahawks have had every have already played in Philadelphia this year, last month. Seattle only won 17-9, to but I think they win by a little more this time. Um, but I'll only give it 23-13. to I was going to say 27-17, to so very similar. Seahawks get the dub. I'm actually going to go the opposite way, and I think the Seahawks come east and they lay a big egg against the Eagles and lose this game. Um, Carson Wentz reminds you why he was a NFL MVP candidate uh, two years ago. I mean, they win 20, no, 30 to 23. 
So who wins, a seahawk or an eagle? <laughs> the actual animals. Well, seahawks aren't an actual animal, right? So eagle kind of wins by default. Is that right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, seahawks, I think, are like... I think like they're, they're actually... Because I heard this somewhere that like they're named after something that doesn't actually exist. It's an osprey. Okay, so it's like it's kind of real, but kind of not. It's like there's technically no such thing as a seahawk, but a sea osprey is like close enough to a hawk that you could kind of say it's a thing. That sounds like a, a terrible decision. They should scrap the whole franchise, <laughs> um, move to somewhere else, and rename the team. Just move them off up north to Canada. <laughs> they wanted a team right in uh, in London, so uh, London's open. Yeah, I don't see that one happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a chance that the, the Jags move over there. Sure, I, I meant specifically the Seahawks. Yeah. They ain't going nowhere. On that note, Ravens wrapped up the best regular season record in team history, and we all get a week to savor that and – just watch playoff football for the fun of it until Saturday, January 11th, when the Ravens will try and make this, try and start a long, deep playoff run and make this one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable season in Ravens history. So thank you guys for listening to us week in and week out this year. It's been fun, and we're literally looking forward to continuing this through the postseason and beyond. I was bummed. Uh, my birthday is the 12th, and I was hoping to get a Ravens win on my birthday. Selfish. <laughs> I've been telling you it's going to be the 11th for the longest time, buddy. I know, but I was hoping <laughs> you were wrong. I'd like to know that the my high miracle happened on my birthday, so I feel like I had a part in that. <laughs> You willed it into being. <laughs> I asked the powers that be. I need a birthday present. Parents are lacking. <laughs> All right, I'll end the show for sure. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Coach says something when we were 2-2. Two and two. When we came in this locker room, I think we had a two-game losing streak. And he said, we'll find out what type of team we are the rest of the year. And, fellas, we didn't lose another game. So I'm proud to be a part of this team. I'm proud to call you all my brothers. Let's go win the Super Bowl, fellas. Family on three. One, two, three. Family!